Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, guys. Welcome back. EYL Hometown Heroes Edition. That's right. For <laughs> sure. Hometowns this time. For sure. For sure. So we are in D.C. right now. D.C.'s been good We just to finished us. up. Crazy, crazy event. We had Top Golf. We got like 200 people there. It was crazy. Yeah. You know and what somebody said? They were like, yo, man, this is crazy. Everybody I follow on social media is in this room right now. How y'all do this? Yeah, shout out to, <laughs> shout, out to shout out to everybody that came to to the event. Shout out to our guy Sharani. For sure. Capital Capital uh Capital Event Group, man. Capital Events Group. They um the shout plug. out to the boy Sharani. He he is uh he's amazing, man. So if you're in DC and you need an event planned or curated, get the contact, follow him on Instagram. We'll, I'm sure we'll put a post up about it. Uh he took care of us, man. He, DC would not be the same without him. Yeah, thank you for the hospitality, bro. Appreciate it. And um, Chris Coy too. Chris, Chris Coy, we yeah, would be mad Chris Coy for sure. Networking, power of networking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Atlanta, Ooh. you're next. January 25th, January 26th, we're gonna take over the whole city. We're gonna do a big, 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 yeah. big, big. You can't play around with yeah. Atlanta. Every so. time we have to pull up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fact, that's a fact. <laughs> every every time up. we say Atlanta, Jamal starts. <laughs> if you know you know man shout out to the, the great city of atlanta can't wait to touch the town um we're gonna be releasing details soon De- details might have already been released by this right, episode right. comes out but we're gonna yeah we're gonna do it really really big so we have a dope episode planned today um and it is yes hometown heroes even though we're in dc it's not a dc hometown hero but it's not a, yet 
Yeah, not here. Yeah. It's a Milwaukee, Wisconsin hometown hero that lives in, in DC, DC and Milwaukee. Right. Oh. Um, so my man Brandon Rule, uh, it was interesting because like I think you had the article on We Buy Black mm-hmm. and it, it went viral and then um like Troy Troy sent it to me. Yeah. And then somebody else sent it to me. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, um, but I didn't read it in full transparency. Because <laughs> he sends okay. me like seven articles a day. Gotcha. But yeah. like by the time the third person read it, sent it to me, I read it. I and I said, I'm like, yo, we should probably interview. He's like, yeah, I sent it to you two weeks ago. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. No, no. Is he so, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah. That's how it goes. So when I, when I hit you up, I'm like, are you interested in coming? He's like, yeah, somebody actually just told me about your podcast. Yeah, just yeah. told me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my homie was like, yo, you should yo, probably This is like one of the quickest turnarounds. Yeah? Yeah, like two weeks ago, I was like, yo, this guy's dope. My man Ken from Detroit hit me like, yo, this guy's dope. I'm like, yeah, I just read about him. And then like the next week, he was like, yo, he's going to come on. So I'm like, oh, this yeah. is great. This it was easy. Cool. One, yeah. two, three. So, uh, <laughs> so Brandon, Brandon's dope. He's 31 years old and he's a, we talk about real estate a lot. Most of the time from our podcast is real estate investors, which is dope. Wholesaling, buying, flip, stuff like that. But he's a developer, mm-hmm. right? And he's young. He's 31 years old. And uh, he, most of his developments are in, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm-hmm, right. um, and he has forty million dollars of affordable housing currently under his belt, um, as far as development, and then one hundred and eighty million dollars in the pipeline. Yeah, and don't uh, let that go over your head. Yeah, please. for sure. Just, just <laughs> please. And just got awarded a, a huge forty-one million dollars. Forty-one million for the first phase. For the first phase, twenty million in the second phase, and that's going to be for a grocery store. The first thing you're going to do is a grocery thousand square. 30,000 square foot grocery store with 150 apartments above. And a parking garage. Yeah, a parking garage too. Yeah. So this is going to be a high Ooh. level conversation. Um, it's going to be- Get a- in the weeds if y'all want to. Yeah. Nah, uh, yeah. Maybe not too much. <laughs> uh, so first and foremost, thank you. Thank, thank y'all you. for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Sure. So, all right. So before we, before we even get into the nitty gritty of what you're doing, how did you get started? Because it's an interesting story. Because if people don't know who the legend- Dumb peoples, uh, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, we, we that them it's, it's really an unfortunate situation if you think about it, because it's like everybody knows who LeBron is, right? Everybody knows who Little Wayne is, right? Mm-hmm. But this guy has definitely more money than Little Wayne. Not shout out to him, no, no disrespect, <laughs> but probably like almost the same amount of money than LeBron, maybe more money than LeBron, right? Like Possibly. he he's mm-hmm. on his way close to being a billionaire, right? Yeah, and he's black, sure. um, developer from DC, from DC, and not a lot of people are really familiar with him. Um, so did he kind of, I, I bring him up because he kind of, he's, he's the start of your real estate journey, right? In yeah, DC at least. In, in DC for sure. So yeah. What's your, what's your path in real estate and what's your path to coming to DC yeah. from Milwaukee? For sure. I, I'll just start from the beginning for real. So, right. uh, I'm from Milwaukee, but I was actually born in Los Angeles, California. So I was born in LA. Um, and in 1994, I was in the earthquake, mm. the Northridge earthquake. Mm. At the time it was the worst natural disaster and financial, worst natural disaster financially in American history. Mm. So over a billion dollars worth of damages, one of that being my home. So we lost everything. Mm. Uh, I slept outside for a few days. Remember vaguely like being outside of the Walmart and just not having any resources. The highways were broken, everything. So my parents are high school sweethearts from Chicago. My dad was like, I ain't with this, we going back. So my grandfather was living in Milwaukee at the time. We ended up moving to Milwaukee into his attic as we got back on our feet a couple months later, rented a house and then moved forward. So from that point forward, I grew up in Milwaukee. And if anyone knows anything about Milwaukee, it's actually the worst place for black people in America right now. Mm-hmm. Google it, it'll pop up, yeah, many yeah. articles, many reports. I, I saw a statistic, it was like 
specifically Madison, where six percent of the population is black, but fifty percent of the people incarcerated are black. Oh yeah, easy, Something crazy, easy. Yeah, yeah, Madison is ridiculous too. Rice saying is ridiculous too. Uh, Milwaukee is actually closer to forty percent black, mm. uh, but we have national like problems, but just not national resources. Mm. Very similar to a Detroit. Very similar to a Baltimore. But uh, no one's really looking there. You don't hear about black folks from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Like people don't leave. It's just a thing. Average, I think, median income in Milwaukee for a black person is twenty-eight thousand dollars. A black family, yeah, twenty-eight thousand dollars. Family, like a family of four type thing. Just yeah. a family period. Wow, yeah. a black family. Let's say two parent family, three to four. It's yeah. not always two parents, but twenty-eight thousand dollars wow. is the average yeah. for a family in Milwaukee. And that's very much so what me, my friends, my family. Everybody, that's my roots. That's who I am. That's where I'm from. Um, but I needed to break that. So I went to school. Uh, all of my all of my family were um, influenced by my grandfather, who was a very successful street pharmacist. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we know. I love the language. It, it, yeah, that, that goes language the, is important. It's, language in, is it's important. important. That go. We're gonna file that where we had uh, returning citizens. Yeah, yeah, Same, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's for going sure. in that same book. Returning <laughs> citizens. Uh, Shanita Penny. Y'all should check Shanita out. She actually was the first person I heard. Yeah, say returning citizens. But yeah, so he was a street pharmacist. Yeah, and uh, he influenced my entire family. He was an entrepreneur. He was really, you know, the first millionaire in the family. By the time I came, he got hit with the RICO law, mm-hmm. and we didn't have any money again, so mm-hmm. I didn't really have that benefit. But I say that to say um, I was the one that wanted to change the trajectory of the entire family. So I went to school, did it a different way. I was always like the chosen one. It's like, okay, cool, you got it. Went out to uh, school, grew up in the Milwaukee public school system, was actually one of the worst in the country as well. Mm-hmm. Wear that on my sleeve because, you know, you can come from any environment and make it. Right. That's a fact. Um, so went, went on to school, went on to Marquette University, uh, studied economics, minored in sociology. So I think that kind of gave me the background that I needed in real estate. Economics, understanding capitalism. A lot of people think money is bad when it really is just a tool. It's a tool to leverage in a way that um, you do any other tool, right? So study economics, but also study sociology. How do people fit within this? How, do, how does the people from the hood fit within this capitalistic you know, society that we live within. So that was my foundation. Then uh, my senior year, junior, senior year, fourth year, I took a program called the ACRE program, uh, which stands for Associates in Commercial Real Estate. And that pretty much exposed me to what commercial real estate development was because like many other folks, I hear real estate and like you think of a broker, you think of a realtor, but there's so many other things when mm-hmm. it comes to real estate. You're like so many professions. So when you think about a development process, uh, a civil engineer, environmental engineer, geotechnical engineer, an architect, a contractor, a developer, a lender. Uh, there's so many different avenues that you can get into. So that program exposed me to that. And then it's like, okay, well, developers make a lot of money. Uh, I wanted financial freedom and I wanted some flexibility. So I was like, okay, well, I think I want to do this. And then that's when I started on my real estate path. Um, while doing that, I got my hands on a book called The People's Principles, which was written by Don Peebles. Uh, Don Peebles, billionaire black developer uh, from D.C. That's where he started. Then moved on to Miami and went to Vegas and uh, now is based in New York. And uh, I read this book, really was inspired by the um, really technical things that he said within it. It's like, this is how I became what I became. And I was like, oh, this is great. Okay, well, I'm going to follow a similar path, but just do it my way. Uh, so in 2017, I got my 2016, I got my first low income housing tax credit. 
So affordable housing developments in the past were financed through Section 8. So if you think about a Section 8 property, Cabrini Greens in Chicago, you know, some of these really large Berry Farms in D.C., really large uh, complexes, three, 400 units, and really just clusters of poverty, um, that how, that's how they were financing them. But now they use a tool called Section 42, IRS code, um, which is a tax credit. So we are given a tax credit uh, that we sell to an investor and use that to finance the project. Can you can you explain that a little bit? Because yeah, we Section Eight. I think most people know what Section Eight is, yeah. right? Where it's like it's government and they they subsidize housing, yep. right? And um, but Section Eight, you don't have to live in the projects. Like you can yeah. have a house. So there's two different types. Okay. There's Section Eight project based vouchers. So projects got the Section Eight assistance. Okay. But then there were also like people based vouchers, right, right, right. where you can take they that give it to you, and you go into like a house and. They pay the landlord. Right, right. So, so what's the new way? Section 42 is the primary tool for affordable housing. There's still some Section 8. Yeah. There's some, still some vouchers. But Section 42, um, just really high level. If you think about uh, a building and you think about developing a building, it may cost $40 million to develop a building, right? Um, typically, in order to fund that building, you need rents that'll pay you enough to then get a bank to give you a loan. So you need a construction loan and then you need permanent financing. So in order to get the construction loan, one of the threshold items is, hey, how much is the loan to value of this projected property? So if your value based on rents being at $1,500 a month it equates to $40 million, you can then build. Who, who's doing the assessment of how much each one is worth? Each, uh, unit. each unit, the market kind of determines that. Okay. So drilling deeper into that, let's say 1500 per uh, equates to $40 million. Right. Let's say now you're in an area that rents can only be $750 per. Mm -hmm. People still need to live, but we still need additional housing. In order to build that, the government created a tax credit that subsidized developers mm. okay. for the difference. Mm. So if the 750 gives me 20 million, I effectively are gonna get. I'm gonna get 20 million in a tax credit to then make it balance and make it work. So they, so they, they'll pay you, mm -hmm. the developer. They pay the project. So they pay the project. They right. pay the not, project. Not you personally, so but they, they, they fund the project. Yeah. And they, they allocate a tax credit to the developer to sell on behalf of the project. So they pay the, the person pays 700 and then a thousand dollars. If it was 1700, a thousand dollars was being paid through them. through the tax credit. Uh, up front. Right, okay. And in exchange for the tax credit, you have to restrict the rents for a certain amount of time. Okay. 15 years, 30 years, et cetera. And the rents are like market-based? Uh, yeah, so it's based on the area median income. So that's really like how they determine it. And they have different thresholds. So a 30% unit is like very low income. A 50% unit and a 60% unit is what we would call workforce or affordable housing. And then you have 80% units as well that can be financed through this tax credit. Mm. And that's based on, so take DC, $100,000 area median income in DC, 50% uh, unit is $50,000. If a person makes $50,000 in DC, they can qualify for affordable housing under this threshold. You take 30% of that income divided by 12 months, that's how you come out to the rent amount uh, that you can pay. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, so that was a little deep, sorry. No, 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 that's, that's, that's that right up EYL. That's what we do. Okay, that's cool. the whole, <laughs> cool. it's right, it's right in like line. Numbers, man. Right in line with our content. Yeah, for sure. So you meet, you meet Don Peoples, right? Yeah. And how does that go? 
Yeah, so 2017, I jumped out. Uh, he was speaking at a conference in D.C., and I was like, I have to meet this guy. So I stood by the door, very tenacious. I, I, I'm an ambitious guy by nature, A-type personality. If I want something, I'm going to go get it, and I wanted to meet him. So I went, uh, introduced myself. I had just received that tax credit. That's why I wanted to get a story. Just received the tax credit. I was about to develop my first project. Hey, Don, what's up? I'm Brandon. I got my first project in. I got a couple more in my pipeline. Would love to connect. Uh, and he, he was impressed by what I was doing uh, because my age, I think I was 26, 27 at the time. Uh, and his first project, I was 27. He was awarded his first project at 27 as well. So I was on that path. It's like, okay, yeah, this is the only black billionaire doing what I'm doing. I need to meet him. So we met, had a phone call uh, about a month later. And the biggest takeaway I took from that phone call was he said, work on larger deals. So at that time, my deal was 12 and a half million. Mm -hmm. uh, had another deal that was about 14 million. And I had another deal that was like 7 million. The $14 million deal was a market rate unit. It wasn't an affordable housing development. Actually never went through. I'll talk on that too. Um, but I needed to raise about one and a half from equity investors in order to finance the project. And you just, you know, go out to folks, get a hundred thousand here, two fifty there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he pretty much just put it in perspective for me. He said, I just raised five hundred million dollars in New York. And this is the easiest money I ever raised. Because institutional capital, the demand on that is so it's so much it's so it's so much less than the demand on everyday individuals and investments because you can invest in stocks you can invest in bonds you can invest in a different real estate project you can invest in your kids college fund individuals have so many options but institutional capital needs places to put this money so he told me to work on larger deals and uh i said about three months later i moved to dc that reminds me of three stories <laughs> so i'll take them one by one well first off you know how um, one of the people that really got Don Peoples into the game, Marion Barry. Yeah, for sure. Did you know that? DC legend. DC mm -hmm. legend. Rest in peace. Um, so that's one story. The second story <laughs> is that that also that what you said reminds me. I, I watched the interview with Magic Johnson and, and Maverick Carter. Shout out to both of them. Classic. And Magic told Maverick, he said, um, the same amount of time that it takes to do a deal for one million, it takes to do a hundred million. 100%. So, do the 100 million. Because it's the same energy. Same mm -hmm. energy. It's the same energy. Same process. <laughs> it's, not yeah. like, it's not like you have to do additional energy. It's the same energy output. It's just you're focusing your energy on a small Got to level up. Yeah. <laughs> you can focus your energy on 100%. big, or you can focus your energy on small. Yeah. The third one was um, Byron Allen. Okay. He was on a breakfast club. Yeah. And he just said what you said as far as like, what, especially in institutions, a lot of times they have a problem where they have to, they have to spend money. They have to. They have to spend money. They raised it. They have it. Exactly. It has to go They're out. looking for, they have whole teams devoted to look for opportunities. Right. Which means they have whole teams devoted to look to say, where can I give money away to different Ooh. deals and, and yeah. how can I position this? Because I have a $500 million. Well, we have to allocate I got to do something. <laughs> right. It's just 500. <laughs> so. No, that's real. Raise your hand, please. <laughs> right. So, but, but you right. have to understand the, the, the key to that, you have to understand that language. It's a language of finance. That's the way I look at it. It's no different from English versus Spanish. Mm -hmm. We all know English. Some people know Spanish. Some people know finance. It's just a language. And if you understand the language and if you understand what they are saying and what they are looking for, you can make it work. So how did you – I'm interested to know this because you started in the game very young, twenty early 20s. Early. And 20, 23, you said, yeah, right? Yeah, 23, yeah. You know, humble beginnings. It's not like your family was um, – 
no. you know, in real estate. So how do you get your first, how do you learn the language? How do you get your first deal in real estate as a developer? Like how does that, can you walk me through that process? Like your very first yeah. deal, like how does that happen? So my first deal was actually a four unit investment. It was a real estate investment type okay. of play. Uh, it was a HUD home on the Northwest side of Milwaukee. Buy and hold? Uh, yeah. Okay. I just sold it about a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, so I, I bought that when I was 23. So let me rewind. FHA? FHA. Okay. Yeah. Three and a half percent down. It was only $85,000 and I sold it for like 160. Nice. So that was like. Well played. <laughs> right. You know, it makes sense. Uh, so that was, that was my entry, entry point, but rewinding. So once I finished the acre program, I'm like, okay, this real estate thing is cool. I think I want to figure out how to be a developer. I spent a lot of time trying to put the pieces of the puzzles together. So I started going to events. I went to a ton of uh, conferences, a ton of seminars, galas, all type of things. I was just searching for people and information and knowledge. And I, I equated it to like putting together a puzzle, right? It's like, if this is the real estate puzzle, how do I find the pieces? And then how do I put them together? So I met a guy by the name of uh, Keith Broaden. No, first I went to a, uh, a an awards banquet called the Mandy Awards. It's Community Development Awards in the city of Milwaukee. I'm actually up for it. I'm a finalist of the Real Estate Award okay. this year oh. too. So congratulations! Thank you. Make I'm sure you. I'm sure you'll win. Yeah, I appreciate After it. After this episode, this comes episode, out. Right, push there we go. There we go. We're gonna push, push, push you over, over the, the top. finish yeah. line. So yeah, I went to this awards banquet and uh, I met a gentleman by the name of Wayman Winston. Wayman Winston was the executive director of WIDA. WIDA is the housing authority that administers the low-income housing tax credits. So I was like, yeah, I want to be a developer, et cetera, et cetera. He was like, well, if you want to be a developer, come to this conference. This is the developer's conference. It's going to be all developers. There's going to be lenders. There's going to be architects, syndicators. Anyone that plays in this arena in the state of Wisconsin will be here at the conference. Conference was like a couple hundred dollars. I didn't have it. Uh, ended up getting sponsored somehow. I think I like <laughs> figured out a way to finesse my way up there. So, I, you know, I threw on a suit. I had a little nappy fro at the time and I just was meeting everyone I could meet. And I ran into this gentleman uh, who I just saw a few weeks ago, Keith Broadnex. He was working uh, at Great Lakes Capital, uh, which is now called Sinair, their syndication firm. They raise funds and then they administer um, they pretty much purchased the tax credits on behalf of investors. Mm. And he gave me my first pro forma. So a pro forma is um, essentially an Excel document that pretty much is the business plan for real estate development. And what that does, it allows you to understand um, how much this will cost to build and how it will perform over the next 15 to 30 years. So he gave me this pro forma. And uh, I had no clue what it was. I, I wasn't really a finance guy. I was an econ economics major, but I wasn't a math or finance guy, really. Um, so I was just diving in, and I tried to figure it out. So I would, like, Google every term. You know, Google University is a thing. It's a real thing. That's a fact. YouTube yeah, University a thing. is a thing. You know, I was Googling every single term, trying you know, to understand. You know what else Go is ahead. a thing? EYL University. Hey. We'll talk about that later on. Let's, let's get, <laughs> that's the thing. We need it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Okay, bet. Even better. Yeah. You know, it's by us. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just Googling all of the terms within this document and I just started to work in it. So, I was working at the bank at the time. I was working at PNC Bank as a personal banker, making $23,000 a year. And I was like, man, I can't. This isn't my life. Like, I'm, I'm not about to just be wearing these nice suits, getting up at six in the morning, getting home at 6 p.m doing this for the rest of my life, I can't do it. So I would then get off work and then go back to work from seven to midnight, seven to one, seven to two, every single day, I was in that pro forma working for years. Edu the, educating yourself. Educating myself mm -hmm. in that 
no articles, no pub, no press, no publication, every, no payments. Every single day I was working. So what then happened was um, I realized that I was only making about 1500 after taxes per month. Uh, and then I came across this four unit that was $85,000. In Milwaukee? In Milwaukee. So I put 3.5% down. Uh, I was renting out the, I think the rents were about 600 a piece, maybe 625. Uh, you know, do the math on that, 24. Uh, my mortgage was about 1,000. So I was clearing 14 just off of this when I was only clearing 15 at the bank. Mm -hmm. I quit my job. The moment I bought the four unit, I couldn't quit before because I needed to show the income to yeah, buy the four right, unit. Right, right. But once I, once I closed, I quit, I was out of there. Yeah. That then gave me the freedom to dig deeper into this real estate thing. Now you spending the entire time. All my time, energy, yeah. and effort was going towards real estate development specifically. I knew investing was cool, uh, but I wanted to figure out how to be a developer because the fees associated with it are great. Yeah. You know, um, just to break it down for real, developer doesn't get a $40 million payment or anything like that, but you on a market rate side, you may see three to 6% of the total cost. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on a hundred million dollar deal, do the math. Uh, on an affordable side, you get about 10 to 15%. 10 to 15%? Really? On the total project mm -hmm. cost. Yeah. So you, so if, so, do the math. <laughs> so you if know. you do a $40 million deal, you get 10%, that's $4 million? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ten to ten to fifteen percent. Depending on where <laughs> you are. Depending on where you are. He took the ladder. <laughs> somewhere Don't somewhere, lowball me. Don't lowball me. Somewhere around there. Don't lowball me. There. The respect it. Throw some respect on the name, man. So 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 to that point, it was like, okay, let me figure out how to do this development thing. I worked in this model. Boom, 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 boom. I saw the numbers. So I'm like, oh, they're making some real life money in this thing. So Figured it out, uh, so I start working. I met with him again, showed him it, it was terrible. He helped me, met a, a consultant that does development consultant, and um, she was actually a CPA as well. Um, Charlena Brown, based out of Atlanta. She helped me hone my skills when it came to my performance, my model. Yeah. So what we did was just, I would, I would try to work in it, I would send it to her, she would edit it, send it back, and Eventually, I got good. It's like, okay, yeah, I know how to do a project. So then I started looking for projects. So are you doing this on a platform? How, how, what's the Excel? Microsoft yeah. Excel. That's I was on my computer. On. You, you could $100 computer from Best Buy, yeah. download Excel, and you're working. That's it. That's it. You don't need any anything else. So I'm just teaching myself all the language, teaching mm -hmm. myself how to do things. Um, so I started swinging at projects, and I was missing. But it was one, it was a city-owned RFP, request for a proposal, very similar to the one that I just wanted in Madison. Mm -hmm. um, that one, I ended up pitching it to a developer, and I'm like, yo, let's co-develop this project. Here's my model for it. Would you guys be willing to split the developer fee and the ownership? The model is, what's the, what's the, the model? The model is a pr another name for the pro forma, my bad. What's the pro forma? The pro forma is the business plan for real estate development. Okay. So in the I, Excel. In my mind, I'm thinking developer. Performer and model yeah. are, they're the same thing. So I'm, okay. I'm using them interchangeably. So it's like it's like the blueprint. It's the blueprint. Yeah. The financial That's, blueprint. Financial blueprint for real estate development. Now, does the developer do the physical blueprint as well, or that's going to be somebody down the line with we architecture? Outs we outsource. Some, some development shops can have an architectural person on hand, okay. but I outsource it. So, all right. So you, you, you study. You learn, you learn how to make a... a 
financial blueprint for yeah. a project. Like yeah. this is my vision. This is my financially vision. how it makes sense. For sure. You don't have any experience. No. So you go to another uh, established developer. They they've done it already. They've yeah. done it already. Mm -hmm. And you say, I already have the blueprint. Let's work together on this. We can split. Yeah. So so now I'm creating value. That's the key. To get any partnership, you have to create value for the other person. It's not about what you want. It's what they want and how can you give it for them. That's a fact. Right? So it's like, okay. I, I mean, I'm going to give you all the real numbers. So I think that project was, let's say $10 million. It was a $10 million deal. Mm -hmm. um, the fee on that was 12%. So we was at 1.2. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, can we go 50-50 on it? They said, all right. Let's, five let's, and a half. Let's take a risk. Let's let's apply for it. See if we get it. If if so, let's figure it out. If not, cool. Keep it pushing. So, I pitched it. Um, and then at that point, I knew. It's like, wait a minute. I just created six hundred thousand dollars just from my mind, with a developer that does this for real. So I cannot do it. I was probably like 24, 20, 25 maybe. Um, so that was the first time I actually knew. Shortly thereafter, I actually took a job. It was very intentional. So at twenty four, you got the six hundred. Nah, oh. that that never went through. It never oh, worked. That out. never worked out. But they agreed to it. But they agreed to it, and that's all I needed to know oh, that okay. I could that do. It was possible. It yeah. was possible at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah. I'm here. I'm a developer now. You yeah. can't. Ain't nobody taking this from me. Right. So, uh, I ended up getting a job shortly thereafter. I didn't get that money. Was running low. Yeah, I had the you know four unit things like that. That was fine. But I got a job working at a CDFI. A real job. A real job. Oh, okay. Yeah, a real job. What's a CDFI? Uh, a CDFI is a Community Development Financial Institution. Oh, yeah, we just we just learned about that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about uh, that. Who, who, who told us about slow, that? I'm a slow learner. Yeah, I, I think I heard something. <laughs> there was a young lady here. <laughs> there was a young lady here who was talking just about the about same thing. Yeah. CDFIs, right? Yeah. So That bright woman. Bright, bright woman. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to the bright woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I worked. I ended up getting a job. It was actually halftime for two CDFIs. I was the only person in the country to do this, but um, I worked for Forward Community Investments. They were a mission-based community lender that l provided loans to small businesses. And then a community reinvestment fund, they were a national nonprofit that did the same thing in a different way. So one was a state-based focused on Wisconsin, other one was national, also targeting Milwaukee. So I worked at home, I worked remotely. So I was really more of a contractor, for real. I worked remotely from home mm -hmm. for both of these companies really going out doing technical assistance with businesses and understanding what the gaps were that um why why aren't we giving this money out like i had access to one of them was from fifty thousand to five million dollars in lending that was my lending capacity personally i can like give that out to businesses so i was like oh this is great it was very much so aligned with my vision and my mission and i was able to sit in on the credit committees of these different companies so when it came to like applying for loans and applying for some of these things, I knew exactly what they were looking for because I was sitting in there. So I worked there for two years. Who, what, what, what type of clientele or clients that were you seeing? Uh, primarily business uh, for community reinvestment. CRF, it was business clients. So uh, I was looking at bars. I was looking at pubs. I was looking at um, cleaning companies. Uh, I was looking at, it, it was a full gamut. And then forward community investments, uh, it was more so real estate based for real. So um, you, so you was on the inside of the of the institution, and you you knew what they were looking for to lend money. Yeah. You used that when you left, at to get them to lend you money because you already knew what they were looking for. In is theory, that where, is that where it going? didn't really work out that okay, way. Okay, okay. It didn't that was really the idea. Yeah, that was the idea. Okay. But now I know how all of the groups work the same. So yeah, I used that same tactic to get all of the rest of it. So what did, what were they looking for? 
Um, like what made you attractive? Not you. I'm just saying like what will make somebody attractive to somebody? Man, honestly, it's a huge gap. So I, I, I thought that I would be giving out a ton of money, but and I had access to the capital, but I couldn't give it out. What they were looking for, it was a disconnect. It's like our people are here and their money is here. And I felt like it was my duty to kind of like bridge that gap. But that gap, so they were looking for, honestly, pretty traditional things. You know, it's like. Reserves. Some assets. reserves. Some, you know, uh, may or may not do a startup. So you might have to have some income. Um, collateral is the biggest thing in our community. Mm. That was, that's the biggest gap. We don't have collateral. If you think about history, uh, a lot of businesses were funded because people owned real estate. Right. right. You were able to get business loans because you can put your house up. Millennials, we, I'm, I'm a millennial, right. we don't have houses. Right. You know, so that, that, that is a challenge. That is a shift in the marketplace that I don't think has been identified yet. So we, all of our people are like, yo, we don't have any money. We don't have any money. We don't have any money. There's such an access to capital gap, which there is. But on the other side, they're screaming, oh, we have so much money and we can't deploy it. That's what happens every single time. You talk to anyone in that industry, then that's what they're going to tell you. All right. All right. Bet. So now we're going to go into the next segment. We're going to talk about, um, like, your journey into developing, like, how you find a deal, like, all of the yeah. 101 on, Process, on, the on, on, the, on the whole, yeah, on the, yeah whole, on the whole deal. So okay. we'll do that next. Yeah, let's break it down then. All right. All right. So now, we, now we're going to ask a few questions. Um, that I think people will be interested in as far as, you know, one thing with EYLs, we like, we talk about different topics that nobody really knows. It's like, we really have an education on this stuff. So as a real estate developer, right? Um, so you, you do the financial blueprint, but now you actually have to develop it, but development costs a lot of money to, to scale these projects. Right. So how, like, how does that part of it work as far as the construction Mm-hmm. aspect of it and actually develop it. Because yeah, in my mind, I'm thinking on development, yeah, you're making the financial blueprint, but I'm like, you're not even seeing a physical output before you start? Or do you know like what you want this space to look like going you, in? Yeah, you, cre- you create it. So the developer is the one that creates the vision in his mind. Okay. Very similar to a director of a movie, right? Okay. Like, they don't, they don't, they're not the actor, they're not the they're not the script writer oftentimes, but they bring it all to fruition and this is the way that it needs to go. So a developer, let's rewind a little bit. Real estate development is a, it's a business process that takes land and you put real estate on it. So very simple there, mm-hmm. go a little deeper. So I'm a commercial real estate developer. So I'm pretty much doing that at a, just a larger scale. Um, and there's different like sections of it, right? So I guess, Let's say, break it down into three phases. There's a pre-development phase where you do the design Mm -hmm. and you get the financials in order and you talk through some of those things. The second phase is the construction phase, to your point. That's when you go and you're actually building the project and you're managing the budget to make sure that this is on time and on budget because if the cost of your development is more than what you anticipated, then when the recession hit, that's kind of what happened. Like You saw buildings that were halfway developed and people stepped away because there was not enough money to continue complete to the project, yeah. complete the project. Um, and then the last phase is operation. So pre-development, construction, and operation. A developer pretty much runs that entire phase from beginning to end. So let's break them down. Pre-development phase, you have, uh, I typically start off with zoning and entitlement. It's like, okay, I have a piece of land here. 
how large is it? Uh, let's say it's an acre of land. Okay, based on this acre, what is it zoned for? What can I do here? My base is typically multifamily. So it's like, okay, how many units can I put on here? Uh, let's say, you know, an acre is 43,000 square feet. Um, depending on where you are, they, they based zoning off of Florida area ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, so this thing called FAR. So let's say it's two, two times um, FAR. So you can put, if it's an FAR of two, you can put a 86,000 square foot building on this parcel. And then you reverse engineer how many units you can fit there. So 83,000 square feet, depending on the unit size, if they're one and two bedrooms, you may be able to get 90 units. If they're, you know, three and four bedrooms, you may be able to get 60 units. Mm -hmm. And then based on the program, you create a vision around what is attainable for the site. So I start with the zoning and it's like, okay, yeah, what can I do? Um, And then based on the zoning, I create a financial model uh, and dig a little deeper. And then that's when I reach out to consultants to do some of the other work. It's like, hey, architects, I want to put 70 units right here. Can Can I do that? What does that look like? You know, um, can I do underground parking here? Can I can I have surface parking? How many stalls can I fit? And that kind of changes the iteration of that financial model that I was working on. Okay, let me change this up a little. How bit. long does that first that pre process take for you? Uh, no time for real at this point. A wow. couple hours. Hours. A couple hours. Wow. So that's and then the third second third one is the actual development, right? The construction. Second one is second, construction. Second, so second, we we yeah. not even in construction yet. So okay. that's that's early, early initial, just pre pre. And then what you do is like, okay, I think I'm on to something. And then you go get the site under control. So you reach out to the landowner. Is it available? Is it private? Is it public? Is it if it's public land, sometimes they have RFPs. And that's what I was awarded uh with the forty one million. I was awarded that land to now develop it. By the state or the city? That was city owned. Okay. But sometimes it's state owned, sometimes it's city, sometimes it's county. It varies. Okay. Um, so that was public. That's a public-private partnership in that way. Um, but sometimes it's private. So when it's private land, that's when you – it's a little more difficult. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a little more difficult because people value their land the way that they value their land. It's no different from a property. If you own a home, you may feel like your home is worth $500,000. The appraisal may say your home is worth two hundred or one hundred. So when you go to that individual and say, hey, this is my plan for this site, y'all have to have some level of common ground to make sure that this works. Because if they want five times your number, it's not feasible, you move on. Mm -hmm. That vision can't come to fruition because this is not a roadblock. Um, And then once once you then, okay, yeah, I think this will work around this price, I'll give you X for it. You want X for it? Okay, what's the timing? In D.C., I mean, typically you gotta have a 30-day close, 60-day close, like a quick, no contingencies, no nothing. In Wisconsin, I can, you know, sometimes do a year and a half without having to close on the financing. And by close, I mean actually pay for the land. You pay for the land typically when your financial uh, at construction start. So when you close on all your finances, I got every all my ducks in a row. It all comes to the table at the same time, and it goes out to the various parties, one of those parties being the landowner. They can walk away. I now purchase it. I now can start construction, which is now phase two. So, so when you're, you're in that phase and you try to get the land, what's the bidding process, right? So you were uh, rewarded, awarded, not awarded, rewarded, yeah. awarded the land. What, kind of explain what that means, but what's the, the process of bidding for it, yeah. too? Uh, so, so on the private side, no process. 
It's just one to one. Can I buy this from you or no? Right. Uh, and I've been told no because of my age and my color before, okay. to be honest. Yeah. Um, but on the public side, they typically put out a, a list of um, priorities that they want. The most recent one, uh, my 89 unit was a public public partnership, and they just want a redevelopment of a blighted site. It was half a mile away from where I was raised, and I wanted to develop it, so I put 89 units of affordable housing in my hood. That's what I did. And they agreed with my plan. It wasn't very competitive, and that was that. But there are other ones, like the one in Madison that I just won. It was very, very competitive. Um, they had multiple rounds of RFPs. What's the RFP again? Request for a proposal. Mm-hmm. So that's when the city says, hey, these these are our priorities for this site. We own this site. We don't want to own this site. Cities often don't want to own sites because they want to benefit from the tax revenue from it. Mm-hmm. It's not in their best interest to pay the upkeep. It's a lot of risk associated with owning land. Um, so cities often try to partner and sell and, you know, do things like that. So that this priority specifically, they wanted a grocery store. The site right next door is a pick and save. Roundy's was just acquired by Kroger, and they're shutting that pick and save down, so now this area is about to be a food desert. Hmm. So the city was like, okay, in order for us to preserve some level of grocery in this area, we need to put out an RFP. So that was their number one priority, a grocery store. Second was affordable housing uh, and some level of housing and, and density. So I put together the best plan to bring that grocery store in the quickest amount of time. So. All right, they need a grocery store. They already, they are identified. They need a grocery store. Why don't they just reach out to grocery stores directly? Why why they need they a did. developer? They okay. they did. Grocery stores often don't develop their own land either. They lease, mm-hmm. you know. So a developer a developer, um, a developer manages that process. Businesses don't typically manage that process. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about Apple, Apple isn't gonna like build their own headquarters. They're gonna hire some consultants or a developer to build it for them. So that's a RFP can be in that way too. So that said, it's of interest for them to align themselves with a developer who has the capacity to do this because it's not something that just easily can be done. Got it. They can't just do it. So phase two, the um, construction phase, can you talk about that? Yeah, construction. So each each phase is a little less risky. So pre-development phase is, is a ton of risk. I'll, I'll rewind a little bit then I'll go into it. It's a ton of risk because um, you're paying a ton of consultants to do work. You're doing uh, environmental assessments, a phase one and a phase two. Ten, that could be $10,000 between the two. Environmental assessments, when they check in the dirt to see checking the, the dirt. soil is yep. viable and all that. Well, yeah, so environmental, that's one where they're seeing if it's contaminated. Has it been a, um, you know, was this a gas station historically? Um, is, is this up to code? Because okay. you don't want those soils to rise and the people get sick and die and all that stuff. All so right. um, you pay for environmental consultants. You pay for civil consultants, um, which put together the design of the building and make sure this is secure. Okay, architects design it, but the civil engineers are saying, this will be sturdy for X amount of time. We won't have settlement, et cetera. And then you hire geotechnical consultants to test the soil and to see is the soil okay, you know, stuff like that. So the soil is more so like for settlement. Civil is more so for structure and longevity and things like that. So all of those people you gotta hire prior to getting to construction. Who's, you, who's paying for that? The developer is. So yeah, I, I, the great King question. The King of Milwaukee is. <laughs> the King of Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, but you can, you can get, once you have a plan together, you can get loans, in theory. Yeah. <laughs> they can get loans. 
<laughs> we can't get loans, That's really. Right. They can get loans. So I partner with the people that can get the loans and try to, I'll go into that in a second. But you pay for all of these consultants, um, even architect, all the architectural designs, the pretty renderings and all that stuff. Crazy. Yeah, and you know, that's a couple hundred thousand, easy. So, um, before you get to construction. Are any of these um, RFPs or like, do does it ever come into play with the, um, was it MWB? Minority women business is it? Because I are they like do they have to have a certain amount of developments that are developed by minority developers? Is that ever that a case? Minority developers is not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a minority contractors is a thing. Okay. Minority developers is not a thing. So I I have to and my development counterparts. Yeah, that ass. I'm an anomaly for real. So I have to hire minority women veterans and my colleagues have to do the same. My counterparts do the same. We have to hire them the construction workers, make sure that all of the people that are part of this team, maybe 20, 25%, 30%, 40% of the total, the money that is allocated to the budget has to go towards these groups. But there's no structure for me as a developer and being black to benefit from that. Why not? That's where the most money is. Has it ever been proposed or no? Uh, I've never heard of it. Um, I'm sure it has. Historic black developers aren't a thing. Not a lot of them. They're n no, it's not a thing because historically, banks, we all know about redlining. We mm -hmm. all know about that. There's a book called The Color of Law. I'll talk about this before, but for people that don't know, The Color of Law documented the government's effect on communities and the intentionality of segregation. So what they did was, if a white developer even was developing something that allowed a black person to live in it, HUD would not insure it, so the bank would not give a loan. Mm. So that was for a white developer. So imagine a black developer trying to develop something for black people. It wasn't possible. So the Marion Berries of the world, and just like H.J. Russell in Atlanta, the mayor of Atlanta, the mayor of D.C., reached out and used their political connections to bring these two people up, H.J. Russell in Atlanta, Don Peebles in D.C., in order to create an economic engine in our community that allowed for growth in a way that does not exist. So again, that that's no, it's just not a thing at all. Um, and hopefully it can become a thing, but there's not enough black developers. I mean, I'm at conferences all the time. I go to real estate meetups and everything like that, but oftentimes it's like most, most folks are investors because that's all we know. Most of the developers I know aren't, they don't look like me. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Kev, Kevin Newell. Um, it's a big bro of mine. He's killing it in Milwaukee right now. Yeah. Absolutely killing it. He's a black developer that is doing his thing. Um, a couple folks out here in D.C. as well, D.R. McKinney, I really respect. Um, Don Peebles' son is actually doing development out in D.C. as well. So there's some black developers, like, bubbling up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just not. How important is political, political collection, connections? Depends on where you are. Uh, I would say in Wisconsin, not as much. Wisconsin is a very objective state. If you are doing, if you are checking these boxes, you can move forward. Uh, in a place like other places, it's not that objective. It's a little more subjective. Like who you know and all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we were talking about the construction part real quick. So mm -hmm. you start off a ton of pre-development risk. You pay for the, all of these consultants, a couple hundred thousand. Um, and then at the closing table, so the benefit of getting to the closing table is that all that risk is wiped away. Mm. 
So it's all a part of the development budget. Although you're paying for it before it happens, you get refunded once all your money comes in. So the 300000 that you had out, the million dollars that you had out, all comes back right there. So that's a great day. And then what happens uh, in the construction phase, you have to mitigate that risk because, you know, people well, may not come to work or the, the cost of something may be more expensive or the design wasn't, you have to change the design up and things like that. So you have to look out for all of those things before you get under construction um, because when that construction budget gets blown up, it's, uh, it's a real thing. And the first thing that goes at that point is your developer fee. We have to pay for that. So we got to mitigate that risk because you can get a project done and not make nothing. To that point, my first project, 60-unit affordable housing development, $12.6 million. I made $30,000 off. Wow. Three and a half years worth of work, I made $30,000. That was it. What kind of insurance do you have to have to be protected? Like During construction? Just as a developer. I'm sure, like anything, you said like you're on the hook, right? So... I guess you don't want to have to always come out of your pocket if something happens. That's, that's the risk you of, take. So there's no insurance? No, it's not a thing. No, it's just a risk you take. So that deal, $12.5 million, my original development partners. So this is my first project. This is one I got in 2016. Mm-hmm. My original development partners were a fully integrated firm. So they did, they did development, construction, and property management. They did it all. So I'm like, okay, bet. Let me partner with these guys. Let me learn from their different entities. It's all one stop, and then we're going to do it. Uh, moving forward, once we got the award, their board wasn't as comfortable with the original terms we agreed to. So now, you know, based on, so you have to make guarantees. You make financial guarantees for construction. I guarantee that this will be built even on my own dime. And you have to spread the risk across a development profile and share that with partners. If they're making all the guarantees, they're taking all of the money. So that's why we get boxed out too. Black folks, Typically don't have you know the capital to say capital yeah, wealth etc. Yeah, so we down. can't make guarantees. Yeah, I have. So. A, yeah, I'm glad you said that because I have a friend who a client as well who's a um, developer in New York. He's black. He always tells me about these personal guarantees that he has to put up Man. of like all this money and properties. Like whenever time they doing a deal and it's like him and his partner, they got to do these personal lines of guarantees and all that stuff. Personal guarantees. Personal guarantees. And, and if you don't have the bare minimum for the projects that I'm working on, you need a million dollars of liquidity, like mm. cash. And five million dollars in net worth to start the conversation. That's going to eliminate a lot of us. That's why you don't see black developers. That's the primary reason why you don't see black developers because you can't get in the game. And then when you start to, you get raped. It's like, okay, well, you got an idea, you got a concept. I want ninety percent. You can get ten, and then we just get used as brokers mm. to find sites, and so they can make more money. But I wasn't on that. I'm not on that. So I get the majority of my fees at this point. Uh, at least fifty-one percent. I'm I'm gonna get. Standing on it, <laughs> we're not moving on that. <laughs> That's not negotiable. So you said par- partnerships. So you, you so you partner with a lot of people. Yeah, I have to. So for a young cat, or just not even young cat, anybody just in, in general, because like you said, it's, it's a lot of barriers to get in. Um, is that the best way to go about it? Is to kind of find somebody already already that's successful and kind of work with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I get reached out to all the time. Um, I definitely, I want to support everybody, but realistically, I just can't. It's a capacity thing. Um, so that said, I, th- I think the best way is to create value. You have to create value. If you're not creating value, then you're just there. Mm-hmm. They, if, if you want to work with me, just like if I want to work with them, 
is it worth my time to work with you? Not if you're not bringing anything to the you're table. Not bringing, I can do it on my own. No, I tell people that all the time. You gotta, it, it gotta be mutual, and it can't because that's more of a charity thing, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like and you can only do so so much charity. And there's a time and a place for that. Yeah, you know, mentorship, charity. It's not a business partnership. Business partnership has it, it doesn't have to be equal, but you have to bring something gotta bring of something. value. Yeah. So if you can create value in real estate. The way that I did it, I created the financial model, I created the vision, and I got the land and the contract. That's what that was my control. Mm-hmm. So if I pitched it to anybody, they can't just go get this land. I already got it. Yeah. So now it's like I have leverage. So if you, as a developer, want to, or aspiring developer, want to take that strategy, go get some land on the contract, put a financial plan that makes sense. I talked about language earlier. Show me the language. This is the language that we speak right here. Mm-hmm. When you start speaking that language, we can partner with no problem. Now, right. the last part, that, that property management piece, do you have your own or are you still partnering with somebody for that? I, most of my development partners have their own shops. Okay. I don't have my own. It only makes sense when you have uh, so many units. You got to scale. It's, it's a scale thing. Okay. So when I get to you know a couple thousand units, I'll probably start one, but okay. right now, no. All right. So in the last segment, we're going to talk about scaling. We're also going to talk about a few other businesses that you got in the, in the DMV since we're in the DMV. Yeah, so yeah. talk about oh, multiple true, streams true, of true. income for sure. All right. So in the last segment, we're gonna talk about a few things. But first, um, we'll talk about scaling because um, obviously you you've come a long way, but you're still young. So, what's your what's your what's your vision? What's your plan? What's your what's your goals as far as scaling uh, moving forward into this new decade? Yeah, that's real. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm an entrepreneur. So, I think my profession is a real estate developer, but I'm really an entrepreneur. Mm. So scaling, I'm open to different concepts. One being, uh, I said I wasn't going to say it, but working on a real estate crowdfunding platform. Okay. I think that'll be my next big endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably launch early next year. Okay. Uh, so that's that's a goal, and that's a tech platform. So I plan to leverage tech to crowdfund money in real estate and then pour it back in our community in a way that doesn't currently exist. There's an access to capital challenge, and this is the way that I'm going to fix it. Right. So like that gap that you were saying that was there, yeah. you were now season it mm-hmm. dope yeah so that's the go um that's part of it scaling specifically for rural enterprises my development company i'm gonna keep doing affordable housing primarily uh that's that's my thing uh i think it's a we need we need it everywhere and it'll always be a thing so if i could do one or two deals in wisconsin a year i think that's cool uh for now and then working on some stuff in dc working on a, a platform i guess not a, uh, not a platform but it's a affordable housing initiative with a professor out of Georgetown Law called Gay Bridge. Dope. And what we're doing is trying to identify five sites for us to develop uh, in D.C., Baltimore, and Philly. So for me, I think next year I'm going to be targeting, uh, you know, four to five sites in those areas. I have one in D.C. right now that I'm working on in southwest D.C. It's 140 units or so, probably close to an $80 million development, wow. about 25,000 square feet. Are you bringing anybody with you as far as like a mentor or apprentice along the journey so they can see what this is like? Uh, yes and no. I'm, I'm mentored a ton. Milwaukee has probably the most black developers in the country. Wow. It's crazy. So I, I got some, I got an OG and then I got some young homies that are coming up too. Um, but in DC, I'm actually launching a platform or launching, keep saying platform, launching a um, educational type of deal. Um, for a development program, development training program, and I'm actually going to do it in partnership, probably with Georgetown. So that'll that'll launch next year as well. So I'm I'm gonna call that reinvest. And you you have a you have a bar 
lounge in DC. Austin. Yeah, so I own a I'm, I own a bar lounge in DC. What's that? What's what's the deal with that? It's called the Cage Bird. Um, open that. Like I said, I think I mentioned it earlier. Like I used to fund bars and pubs and things like that. So mm-hmm. I knew the finance of it. So I'm like, oh, came across an opportunity. A friend of mine, uh, best friend in Milwaukee. He's a developer too, but he owns a, a spot in Milwaukee. So he was looking at opening one in DC. Got introduced to a broker. Broker reached out. I walked the site for him. It was first time out of Morgan. I'm like, ah, oh, no, I ain't really feeling this. Um, you shouldn't do it. I told him he shouldn't do it because he wanted to do it at first. Then um, identified a site in Dupont Circle, predominantly white area in DC. And I was like, oh, this would be dope. Like it was a cool opportunity. So told him about it. Yo, I think I want to do this. You down? He had some things going on in Milwaukee that he needs to straighten out. He was like, yo, just take it and run with it. So I said, bet. Went out, created an equity pool. Because uh, I, I practice what I preach. Like, I literally am all about black wealth. That's that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be straight on the development side. I'm not worried about my finances. But if I can create opportunities for ownership for my people, I think I'm living in my purpose. So created an equity pool, um, brought in a bunch of owners. Equity pool, just a bunch of people that just pulled their money yeah. together. Yeah, so I actually, uh, I I did 50% finance and then 50% like sweat equity. Okay. So if you wanted to come in and like be the chef or, you know, come in and run a bar or come in and run events, I allow, I kind of created oh, an nice. opportunity for that too. So if you didn't have money, you, yeah, could, work, yeah. you could work your Just way work in. in. Yeah, pretty much. So um, that was, you know, I, I have capacity constraints. I'm, I'm a full-time developer. I run a whole enterprise i just couldn't do it on my own anyway mm-hmm. but i thought that this would be the best way so 100 percent black owned operated staffed and financed Dope. all by us um it's been it's been a very good learning experience <laughs> <laughs> you know it comes it's, it's been a roller coaster ride but not cool. easy not easy restaurant yeah, not business easy. Is not and easy. the name of the, the restaurant where, where, where'd you get it from uh want to pay homage to a black woman mm-hmm. um so honestly Busboys and Poets is a prominent place in D.C. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that name is dope. And it's a nod to Langston Hughes. Yeah. So I was like, hmm. All of them. Right. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, who, who inspired me? Maya Angelou was that person. So I, I was like, okay, you know, how can I think of your name? So ended up landing on The Cage Bird. 2016, I saw Maya Angelou's documentary, And Still I Rise. Yeah. It was a great documentary. And uh, it was the first time, I always knew that I was living black history, yeah. but it was the first time I was able to like identify it in somebody else. Like, yo, I saw this whole process. She was a woman, she was molested, she was silent. She then started speaking, she became a poet. She was a, she was everything under the sun you could think of. You know, yeah. good things, bad things, et cetera. Do the research, you can find it. Um, but she was a true and actual person. So I wanted to create a space that people could live and be black history within. Mm-hmm. So I named it The Cage Bird. Dope. For sure, for sure, and I think it's fitting because DC has so much rich history, rich Black history, yeah. rich every history. I mean, this is the the capital of America, but we can't talk about America without the contributions of African Americans. We can't talk about Washington sure. DC without the contributions of Black Americans. Well, that's why, it. and that's why they um the, the museum. I haven't gotten a chance to go to the museum yet. Have you gone there yet? Yeah, I've been a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta go to the museum. I'll be in there one day. For sure, that's a there. fact. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. I'm so, standing on it. Yeah, yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact, man. So, yeah, can, congratulations, man. It's just very inspiring, especially um, a lot of times. Like we during the conversation, we might have forgot that you're only 31 years old. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like not that I'm far removed. Troy's. I'm not far. I'm not that far removed. Yo, we all from in you. our 30s, man. Yeah, I'm not all that. 
<laughs> but uh, but nah, man, congratulations, and uh, it's great to to see, you know, yeah. to see people because a lot of times we highlight things that are negative, for sure. but we gotta highlight the positive. Yeah, I'm 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 not the type. I don't look for attention. That's not really my thing. Like, I actually don't care for it. People probably don't believe that, but uh, it was something in me that said it would be a disservice to my community for not giving the knowledge that I have. So I had to like accept yeah. it. No, and, and it's, the, it it's the greatest gift that you can give. Yeah, yeah. it's inspiration. And you, like I said, I was telling you off camera, you never know who's listening. And like the, the kid that was like. Oh, I could be a real estate developer, not yeah. just an investor, right. not just oh, that's all right. thing. like yeah. and it's now exactly we, we didn't know it exists. Or oh, I could be a civil engineer, like oh, that's what so, they do. So much, it's so much money in real estate. It don't right. make no sense. Yeah, yeah. and it's like the, it's like how so you much. how you looked at Don Peoples, like there might be somebody looking at you even just money. like that. Yeah. That's somebody. what I'm saying. So it's like, yeah. but that's how that's how life is so crazy yeah. for sure. And you don't even realize it, and it's like you inspiring somebody. And it's like now they might inspire somebody like off of what you, you talk. Like, you know exactly, you exactly. It but it shouts out to y'all for having a platform to do so. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? That. This is this is much important for us, for our community, and to be able to dig into these numbers in a way that doesn't exist. You know, you're not gonna be able to Google the That's some a fact. Of the stuff That's that a fact. I said That's a fact. Some of these numbers that I said today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll break down the restaurant business too if y'all want me to. Part two. We can, part soon. two. Part two. <laughs> but, part two. So yeah, it's just soon come. Yeah, you can't Google this stuff. So appreciate y'all. Nah, thank you, man. So how can the people contact you? Uh any initiatives that you want to make them aware of, social media and all that stuff? Uh B underscore R U L E. That's my Instagram handle, B Rule. Everybody called me that. I was branded. There's a ton of brandings growing up. Uh, so yeah. sports name be rule. Like Ja Rule. Yeah, Rule, Rule I, Enterprises, I got that a lot. <laughs> Rule Enterprises is the name of my development company. Cage Bird is my restaurant bar in DuPont. Um, and I got a I got a new thing uh, called Reinvest coming out soon. So you should check so that on. out too. Dope, dope. Troy, yeah. housekeeping items? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Every time we come on, it seems like we get new members. So I just want to give a quick shout out and recognition to C Manual. Uh, Raphael, Ariel, Mark, and Gregory. Shout out to y'all for joining us on Patreon. Uh, tier four and five members, you know that you have access to EYL University, our online school. Um, and it's growing, man. We we have a lot of webinars up there, a lot of uh, great content. We have from tax um, taxes to, what else do we have on there? Uh, Everything. We notary. Know, modal, uh, mobile notary. Yeah. We had um, Sabine talking about uh, trademarking. Multiple streams of income. We did multiple streams of income. Did. How to start a podcast. 203K loan class. Yeah. Everything. Everything yeah. you can think of. And, it's, and every week is three three classes added to the curriculum. So dope. it's It's, it's, it's growing, dope. man. It's pretty a growing dope. university. And the merch is out, too. So. As you can see, Rashad has that EYL University hoodie on. I think it's on. gear, man. Yeah, 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 I got you, we got you, we got you. <laughs> I'm still rocking the assets over liabilities um, because that's our, you know, our go-to slogan, right? Having more assets to pay for liabilities is, is the way to financial freedom. So keep supporting that and uh, keep tuning in, man. It, the podcast is growing. Our, uh, our streams of income have grown. Uh, we come up with new ideas and, and new lessons, man. This was like a history lesson and a business lesson in one, man. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. B rule, thank you. I uh, appreciate <laughs> it. On, Motivational purposes only. Yeah, that's yeah, it, man. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Dream chaser. That's it. That's all. Let's <laughs> build, man. Let's for sure, it. for sure. Atlanta, don't forget Atlanta. Uh, January twenty fifth, January twenty sixth. We'll be releasing information on that soon, but we coming to town for sure. And uh, who knows, Brandon might pop up. I might pull up. We'll see. Might pull up. <laughs> <laughs> the book tip of this week is "Thinking Grow Rich: A Black Choice" by Dennis Kimbrough. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Perfect. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. 
Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.